You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Steven Simcox, your host. It's Wednesday, uh, March 16th. Appreciate you joining us today. Let's scatter shoot a little bit. We're going to talk um, football, basketball, and baseball in this one segment, and then we'll sort of talk more basketball-focused in segment number two. It's actually an interview I did this morning with a radio station. Um, but starting off today, spring practice is coming quickly, and I, you know, I know everybody loves football. I know that's what drives the bus. I'm not going to hit – when spring practice gets here, like I'm going to hit it hard. Um, leading up to it, I'm not necessarily going to hit every single bit of news every day. But I think this team is in a pretty interesting position. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering what the big focus of practice is going to be. We're going to get more access than ever before, right? So I've never really seen Sonny Dykes in an environment like this. Like I've seen him on the sidelines. He seems pretty even keel. He seems pretty level. What are they going to focus on? What are they going to emphasize when spring practice rolls around? Who's Joseph Gillespie like um, on this defense? I think one thing that's going to stand out in a big way is new coaching staff. I mean, some new guys might emerge. Um, and I know everybody first looks at the quarterback position, right? So, like, what does that mean for Max Duggan? What does it mean for Chandler Morris? A guy like Sam Jackson. I, I do think to a certain extent everyone's starting on a clean slate. And I feel like that could be an exciting thing for a lot of players in this program who in the past didn't necessarily get a lot of run for whatever reason. I'm sure part of that self-inflicted. But maybe a new coaching staff, a new system will lead to a breakthrough for some more unheralded guys. I think we're also going to see a lot of players at the transfer portal. A lot might be uh, too bold of a term. We're going to see some guys at the portal after spring practice. Because they'll find out, okay, I don't really fit in this scheme. We've seen this has been tough on the defensive linemen so far. Like, it, it just, right at the moment, seems like they're all sort of considering where they fit in a new system. I think as, uh, as the years progress, we're going to see an emphasis on more size up front. You know, guys that are bigger, not necessarily your hybrid edge rushers, more big physical players that can hold their own in the trenches, that can, you know, reestablish the line of scrimmage and stay on their ground. Um, there's a lot of holes on this team, but there's also a, a good amount of talent returning. So I think there's opportunities here for TCU to bounce back in a pretty significant way in 2022. So that's starting up. Um, TCU basketball in Seton Hall on Friday night, late Friday night. Should be a good one. Um, you know, I've said this before, but I think, like, the, the biggest key to me in this game, Seton Hall struggles to score at times. they got a good guard in Jared Roden who can fill it up a little bit. But like every game for TCU, I mean, you can't allow, especially live ball turnovers, right? Like, don't make it easy on Seton Hall. If they're struggling to score, you're a good defensive team. Work on making sure – you're in your half-court sets, that you have the ability to get your defense set, that you have the ability to communicate with one another. And you're not just allowing them transition opportunities. 
And yeah, the rebound is going to be huge. It always is. It's something that TCU's done well all year. Can they do it well in a big game? Just getting one win in the, just getting one win in the tournament would be a big deal. I, I mean, I think it would be a, a nice step forward for this group, for Jamie Dixon. And they've got a lot of this core group coming back. Now, we'll see what Mike Miles does. I don't know what the feedback's going to be for him when he starts talking to NBA evaluators. But I know that he wants to play pro basketball, and I hope he can soon. But um, there would be – this would be a big-time springboard if they could find a way to beat Seton Hall on Friday night, take care of the basketball. Like, they're going to turn the ball over some. They're just – they're not a great ball handling team. But as much as you can, you know, try to keep the ball and don't allow Seton Hall to get some easy buckets on the other end. Um, TCU baseball played on Tuesday night. They took on Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They won 16-6. to And the, uh, the bottom of the eighth inning, David Bishop, I believe, had a base hit that drove home a run that activated the 10-run rule. And Frogs win. Um, offense was nice. I mean, offense was good all game long. Put up a, pu- a bunch of runs. Pitching wise, they settled down after giving up, you know, five runs in the first couple innings. Uh, Cam Brown only pitched one inning. Don't know what the situation was there. Chuck Lamondola said on the broadcast that he was not injured. So I don't know if they're saving him for the weekend. I'm not sure what was going on. But they brought in Connor Oliver, and Connor struggled. He ended up giving up five earned or four earned and an inning and a third. Um, Caleb Bolden came on and did a nice job. I think they probably used him more than they would have liked, but he stabilized things and that allowed the offense to get cooking. And then once that happened, TCU kind of ran away with it. Um, Big series this weekend against Baylor. We'll see how the pitching rotation shakes out. I do not expect Austin Krobe to pitch Friday since he pitched Sunday. So we'll probably see Riley Cornelio, I would assume, on Friday, and then we'll kind of see how it goes from there. But um, Baylor's also been a team that's been inconsistent. They fell to Sam Houston State on Tuesday night, 10-9 uh, to in a pretty good ball game down there in Huntsville. You know, Texas is in a bad way right now. They lost to college at Charleston last night. So uh, the Big 12 is really good, really deep, but it also looks like there's a number of teams that are still figuring things out early in the season. So it would be a significant step forward for TCU if they could, you know, take two out of three from Baylor and Waco this upcoming weekend. When we come back, you'll hear more of my conversation about TCU athletics. Uh, this is Locked on Horn Frogs. Here we go, segment two of Locked on Horn Frogs. Here's my conversation on 1660 ESPN Radio this morning about TCU basketball, baseball, and football. So your frogs are going to open up in San Diego against uh, Seton Hall, and and just your overall thoughts and impressions of of what TCU was able to get accomplished, particularly in the second half of the season. Right, yeah, they had some huge wins. I really thought um, earlier this year they were pretty much done. They had some bad losses to like Iowa State at home, and you know even that last game of the season they lost to West Virginia, but in between that they picked up some. Big upsets against Kansas and Texas Tech. They were able to come back and beat Texas in the Big 12 tournament. Um, you know, some of, their, some of their bigger guys on the inside, like Eddie Lampkin and Emmanuel Miller, really started to come on as the year uh, progressed. But it earned them, a, you know, a chance to play in the first round against a wait a while. They're the last game 
on Friday about 9 p.m. Central Time. But um, exciting for this program to get back to the big dance. You know, it's not a place they've been very often, and they'll get a chance against uh, a good Seton Hall team to get a victory. And they haven't won a tournament game since 1987. So big opportunity for them. It'll be a huge step for uh, TC basketball if they can find a way to just get to the round of 32 and beat Seton Hall on Friday night. What kind of matchup is Seton Hall for the Frogs, Stephen? Yeah, they're pretty similar teams. Wood, I mean, they they have similar resumes, and they both got some big upset wins this year. Seton Hall beat Michigan and Texas in non-conference play, and then held their own pretty well in a, a tough conference in its own right with the Big East that they play in. Um, they both defend really well. Uh, TCU, they turn the ball over way too much. I think that's going to be a huge key. Seton Hall struggles to score at times, so especially those live ball turnovers, you cannot give Seton Hall easy points. And then uh, Seton Hall's a big team. they got a seven-footer in the middle, Ike Abadja. they also got a couple guys on the inside that are 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, so TCU's rebounded the ball well all year long. They've actually only been out-rebounded five times this year, and they're one in four in those games. So um, it's going to be a huge emphasis to hit the glass, uh, make sure they hold their own there, and then take care of the basketball. But, yeah, these are pretty similar teams, I think. Uh, the team that is able to, you know, play their style, defend well, and um, be efficient on offense is going to be the key here. But it should be a pretty even matchup. Simi, in your mind, which Big 12 team is posed to make the uh, deepest run? Yeah, that's a good question, Garrett. I mean, I, I like where KU and Baylor are in the one line, obviously. Um, you know, I don't have Kansas' region right in front of me right now, but I love how they close the year. It seems like. You know, getting Remy Martin in the lineup a little bit has helped them. But um, I think both of those teams, like Baylor, I know they haven't been healthy all year long, but they have so much experience. A bunch of guys uh, on that national title team that are back this year, I think in some ways they've kind of been waiting for this part of the season, right? Like just get me to March where these games really matter. Um, outside of those two, you know, I think Texas Tech is obviously a team that could be a sleeper there. Um, as a three, like they're tough-minded. They play good defense. That's always going to travel well in any game. Uh, but those are the three that come to mind. I mean, I think Texas, Iowa State, TCU, they could maybe pull off an upset here and there. But, yeah, I tell you and Baylor are the teams that are poised to, to make the biggest run in my mind. Let's go the other direction. A lot of conversation, and there always is, about, uh, you know, those three or four, five, six teams that uh, got left out and, and, and believed that their resume was good enough to get in. Uh, does Oklahoma or A&M in our part of the world have an argument, in, in your opinion? I think A&M does, Tom. I mean, I saw Buzz Williams, and I didn't watch the whole seven minutes of him kind of making the case last night. I thought it was strange that he waited until after they played Alcorn State and the NIT to, to lay that out, but I don't know what their media availability schedule is, so I'm not sure if that was the first time he had had a chance to speak with the media since Selection Sunday. Uh, anyway, though, I mean, they had a nice run in the SEC tournament. They went 500 in league play. Feels like they probably should have gotten in. Um, I know that they felt like they were probably in after making a run to the title game, and I, I don't think losing to Tennessee should have really hurt them. But, um, oh, you, I, I didn't really see it. I, I feel like, you know, Porter Motors is a good coach. I think he'll get that uh, program rolling sooner rather than later. But um, they had some tough losses this year. I know they ended the season on a nice little win streak, but, Honestly, other than that win against Texas Tech in the regular season, I can't really think of um, some huge like resume stamp wins they had. I know they had a uh, fairly difficult non-conference schedule and handled that pretty well, but 
Uh, I, I didn't really have a gripe with OU getting left out. And I think, you know, a and I'm not sure if they would have made a run, but it did feel like they were one of the best 68 teams in the country going into Selection Sunday. About six days away from spring practice uh, under the new head coach, Dykes, there at TCU. First time in 20 years they've had a new spring with a new guy at the helm. Are you more interested in what he does with this offense and what they might look like or what Coach uh, Gillespie does with the defense? I'm actually more interested in the offense. Uh, you know, I think the defense, uh, Coach Gillespie's obviously bringing a slightly different scheme there, but I feel like a lot of the principles will be the same. They're going to try to get after people, be aggressive. Uh, be a hard-nosed physical team. Offensively, I just want to know, like, what is Sonny Dykes like about the talent he has? I know they have some really talented skill guys. Quentin Johnson, a local kid uh, from Temple. You know, Darius Davis and Tay Barber, some really speedy guys in the slot. They have a good stable of running backs. And then at quarterback, I, I don't know what direction they'll go. You know, Max Duggan has been a starter for a couple seasons now. Um, Max doesn't really seem to fit the prototypical air raid type of scheme that Sonny likes to run. So I don't know if he moves on to Chandler Morris. I'm not sure if maybe there's another um, person who enters that quarterback room after spring practice. But, yeah, Ward, I'm, I'm most interested in what Sonny can do with that offense because that's his side of the ball. That's what he hangs his hat on. And um, Jeremiah Donati made a point. Like he said, they wanted an offensive-minded coach. So they're trying to go a different direction. And if that offense can't get going pretty fast, then I feel like people are going to get restless in Fort Worth. What about the opportunity for Quentin Johnson this spring to maybe be even more of a showcase with that offense? I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities to get the ball. I mean, that was sort of the frustration for him last year that just wasn't always consistent. They couldn't find ways to get him the football. I imagine that Sonny Lacks has some good ideas on how to do that. But, I mean, he's a monster in one-on-one situations and, um, you know, his ability to go up and get those 50-50 balls is really what separates him in my mind. So I hope they give uh, Q opportunities to do that. And, uh, yeah, it could be a huge year for him. I, I want to see Ward, you know, there was a lot of buzz last year and that, hey, he's going to be a guy that um, after his junior season is going to be off to the NFL. And I would love that for him if it happens. Um, and I see the potential there, but the production just hasn't always been as consistent as you would like it to be. So, I think that's the big key for Quentin Johnson is can he be a factor in every single game this year? Because there were some high highs and some low lows in his sophomore campaign. Simi, what are your thoughts on uh, Anthony Jones and what he's going to bring to that running back room coming over from Memphis? Well, he's got a good resume of uh, coaching some NFL guys. Garrett, you know, Darnell uh, Washington, um, Tony Pollard, he's with the Cowboys, obviously. Kenneth Gainwell, there's been a good uh, – Stable running backs that came over from Memphis. He's known as a good recruiter in the Tennessee area, so he'll have to shift that to Texas now. Um, but he was also up for that L.A. Rams job that Rashad Samples got. So uh, he's well-respected in the industry. I think it was a good hire. Um, you know, running backs, like, that's a, a, a position that you need the guys to protect the football. You need them to be ready to rock and roll. Um, and I think he's got some talent there. So I would expect him to do a good job. Obviously, he's filling a big hole. Samples was kind of like their lead recruiter, um, and he's coming into a new situation. But uh, I, I think they'll expect him to, you know, have a lot of energy and try to connect with uh, young men in Texas really well. Talking with Stephen Simcox, the uh, podcast is locked on Horn Frogs, and, and Stephen, uh, we've talked a lot of basketball, obviously, and f- spring football coming up. But uh, coming up Friday is the start of Big Twelve baseball, like. 
football, like basketball, this is going to be another deep and very competitive league. Yeah, I think it's time. You know, I mean, Texas are never kind of in a, a, a tough rut right now, but um, they've been the consensus number one or two team all year long. Texas obviously doing some good things. Um, they, I think they scored like 28 runs last night against New Mexico. And had had 300 yards of offense. <laughs> My goodness. I think New Mexico needs to stop answering the phone. I feel like every time <laughs> those four guys go out to Lubbock, they give up like 20-plus runs. Um, but, no, yeah, nice to – Nice to expect to invite like a 15U team to play on Tuesday night uh, there at their stadium. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough conference. And um, I feel like it'll probably get lost a little bit because you laid out, Tom, there's a lot going on right now. And, obviously, like everybody's really focused on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But this Baylor-TCU series, in my mind, is a big one because I think both these teams have been somewhat inconsistent this year. You know, TCU dropped the series to Kentucky. Baylor got swept by Maryland in the opening uh, series of the year at home, and they've also like had some nice wins. But I think both those teams feel like if some things break their way and, and go right, they could also be a factor in the Big Twelve championship race. Um, so we'll get—I mean, we'll get to see that in Waco. And I, I feel like Friday night is going to be a big contest because Tyler Thomas is really good. TCU struggles against left-handed pitching, so if the Frogs could find a way to scrap out a win on Friday, then they'll be in pretty good shape. Um, if they don't, and it kind of holds serve, then we'll see what happens on Saturday and Sunday. But, yeah, I think it's a, a fascinating conference matchup in Waco this weekend because uh, both those teams want to be a factor in the Big 12 race, and um, they're obviously facing each other, and they need to, to set the conference season off strong. 